Hey, welcome to React Roundup, the podcast where we keep you updated on all things React related. This show is sponsored by Raygun and produced by Top End Devs and Envoy. Top End Devs is where we create Top End Devs to get top end pay and recognition while working on interesting problems and making meaningful community contributions. And Envoy, which provides remote design and software development services on a task basis. So clients only pay when tasks are delivered and approved. In today's episode, we will talk about Material UI, which is a library that I'm pretty sure that most of you are going to be familiar with. And in today's show, we have somebody that is, well, um, definitely much more well-versed in the library than myself and has even done some a few contributions to the library itself, which is Dimitri Kovalenko. Hello, everyone. Very happy to be here. And yeah, sure, we'll be asking any questions you want about Material UI. Uh, just note that I kind of like, you know, retired contributor to Material UI. I did spend like, you know, um, so basically I've been working full time for about a year on Material UI. But um, yeah, it was, yeah, but then I left. So, and I stopped my contribution though, but I still like one of the top contributors <laughs> by GitHub. You know, uh, my, my face is right on the GitHub profile of Material UI, so you can check it out. <laughs> awesome, awesome. And Dimitri, have I um, said your name the correct way? It's yes, Dimitri sure. Kovalenko? Sure, sure. Awesome, okay. Sorry. All right, and well... My name is Lucas Paganini, one of the hosts in the show. And joining me in today's episode are also the amazing hosts, Chris Fruen. Hi, everyone. And Peter Osa. Hello, everyone. All right. So, Dimitri, let's get started. So, I think the first thing that we should talk about since we're talking about uh, UI library is, well, specifically about Material UI when do you think people should care about it? And when do you think people should not care about it? For example, I do know that uh, it is a very opinionated library in terms of styles. Like we were recently talking about other UI libraries that are very, very flexible in terms of how much you can customize the components itself. And some of them go even to the point where they only provide you the functionalities and you provide the entire style. Um, and I imagine that Material UI is kind of like in the middle because I know that it provides somewhat flexibility in terms of, of custom styles and changes and etc. But I also know that it still follows, uh, well, the material, uh, the material yeah. design at the sure. end. But yeah, how how would you would you explain to somebody if they should care or not about Material UI? So, like, I will just clarify that it used to be very opinionated, and now they're moving from the opinionated Material UI styled approach to the separate, you know, like headless components used to like do the same thing as Radix, as uh, like you know Aria wherever I forget there are a few of them headless UI and all of this stuff and now they have split in their library into base UI and material UI material UI is basically a skin of material UI design to the on the you know the skeleton of the headless component used by the component of material UI 
which includes a lot of like good things, like, you know, all of the accessibility, all of the functionality, all of the props used used to be known by developers. So you can use both of those modes, kind of. Uh, but it is definitely, you know, known by being like material UI oriented. So like usually all of the big, you know, customers that are using material UI, they're definitely often they are choosing material UI because it is a good library that you can just pick and just integrate into your, you, you know, just take component, display it on a page and it looks good. And basically that's it. Like, I don't know, today, People who are starting building their own design system are very rarely choosing material UI because they kind of lost the competition of his headless UI libraries because they just started building it like a year ago and the Radix and all of the other components were there for a while. I don't know. Like, I think I, I made this issue to create this unstyled components before all of this hype around them. And they were ignoring this issue for six years and just started doing that, just finished that like doing like a year ago. So yeah, I think today it's probably more, still more, more about like, you know, ready to use styled components that you can just integrate into your, you know, I don't know, admin panel or whatever. If you like Major UI into your like, you know, core app and just, just use it as is because this customization of the existing UI is kind of weird with the new mods. I don't say that they are that popular, probably. Gotcha. Okay. Um, so. That's it's good to know that it is more flexible than than I assumed uh, because that definitely opens up the possibilities of using the library. Uh, so so sure. that's that's very good. Okay. So for instance, for instance, I still use the one component of Material UI, which is autocomplete hook. Basically, it is very flexible and probably one of the best who autocomplete implementation that I know. Because I remember that, like basically, Olivier or Oliver or I, I don't, I don't still understand how <laughs> to pronounce his name. I, I'm always forgetting about that. Probably Olivier is like the main contributor and creator of Material UI. He spent like I don't know a year and a half building the one autocomplete component. So it is like literally like you know the deepest and the best optimized and the most flexible functionality autocomplete hook that I know from all of the other one. But yeah, so basically there are a few things that are very core and very useful inside Material UI. And I'm happy that they're exposing that separately of styles right now already. Yeah, that that is very interesting. So why don't we talk about this a little bit more? So let's say that someone is listening to this show and they're like, I already have my inputs. Like, I I don't know if I need uh, a library for this. Like, my project already exists and I already have um, the things that I'm working on. Like, everything is working. But you touch on an important point. Like, there are a lot of utilities that were built to be used within the Mature UI library. And they can be imported individually and used in the context of your specific application. So... Are there other utilities such as the autocomplete one that you just mentioned that you think would be useful for people to to know about? Um, I don't know, like probably. So basically, if your app is working, you know, like don't touch it. <laughs> Why would you replace your component that are still working, right? If you are looking for existing functionality, like, and you need some kind of, you know, working 
um, you know, accessible, uh, like virtualized, optimized, like, I don't know, core component, you can look, you will look for them, right? And just Material UI will probably be not the first option, but it's definitely one of the, one of the really good one because Material UI devs are spending a lot of time because there are a lot of users, right? Of the base components. And the, I think that's pretty, pretty decent choice if you have like competition having material UI because it's like the support because you know it will be supported for a while for forever probably um, it has like a lot of users a lot of like testing before a lot of like good you know um, you know like I kind know of process around like contributions and all this stuff so probably it's a good choice uh, to to be choosing between like headless UI which is kind of dead right now <laughs> we started using it it's like tailwind CSS based components and they stopped actually um, you know, supporting it. Radix is really good as well. And Material UI base is also good. So basically, yeah, we have more, you know, choice, which is good. Competition is never, is never been a bad thing. Um, Chris, Peter, do you guys have any hands-on experience with Material UI? Okay, yeah, so personally, I think I have, yeah. So I kind of worked on a React application that was built solely on it. I think it was like, Version three or so, I think the previous one, but before these new changes, right? Well, I do have some kind of like, um, I won't really say complaints though, but like reservations on my end for me though. And maybe Dimitri, you could just um, um, clear that out as well. So I do have, I, as well as working with other like devs on the front end, right? Using Material UI, many of them kind of say that it's a bit rigid, right? Like maybe, for example, I actually know someone who kind of dislikes the way uh, material you are defined, like the rules and the columns and those kind of things. I was like, oh, if I could just do this with CSS easily and the globe done maybe better. So I don't know what to, I'm just asking. So like, um, what what do you think? Like coming to, okay, yeah, I know that there, were, there was like a, a kind of a change, right? So coming to like previous versions that, of just many companies kind of are still using the previous versions because um, that's kind of the version they're going to maintain, right? So, so did you see working on the previous ones? Right? Did you see any drawback, or have you heard any of the developers like you? Once you think that kind of gets to you, that you feel that ah, they're kind of like primary concerns as well. Just like the example I gave you, some people say oh, they don't like how the API was built, like. For example, the layout APIs, and then the the idea of the you no know, atomic CSS. You can pass in variables like maybe um, margins, m as props, and do. I know some kind of people that don't like that um, structure, right? So, what do you think? Like, do you have any concerns about, or have you heard from others about how previous versions have been constructed? Yeah. yeah. I think actually that they, so basically they did a lot of long way of, of having different approaches to style things. So right now, I believe that there should be a way to target any element of Machelle UI and have the MUI, like me UI style and trigger it globally from CSS because of developers actually like were fighting for that and you know, like, we want to add merging to specific, like, you know, in CSS, just, just give me this option. And they did it. But I believe that these limitations were did for a good thing, right? Because you, uh, so basically, like, right, you know, 
if you have everything built in one like you know isolated approach, your components are isolated. You never you never touch them like you know globally. They can be mutated by global styles and all of this stuff. It is like you know more robust solution because you know that like your components rendering it will be rendering the same way in like ten years because nobody will break it exponentially. Uh, good or bad, it like probably everyone chooses for for himself. So I, I personally did like this. I personally did like this approach. I think it's pretty good because like you know additional safety kind of. But the other developers who love doing CSS and all of this other stuff probably not. So yeah, we just like you know just choosing which one to prefer. Oh, yeah, yeah, I get that as well. Um, the I think there was a point where we kind of, if you want to define styles, you have to create like an object, you know, you have components, and then kind of properly define those styles. Yeah, I think that one was actually like a... That was changed. That was changed. So basically, they did yes. use GSX, right, uh, for styles. GSS, not GSX. And now they are using Emotion, probably, so basically, you can use template literals, or you can use CSS files as well. So yeah, I think it's now flexible enough. Before it, yes, it was. Uh, firstly, it was in line styles, which are annoying because you don't have hovers and all this stuff. Then there was a GSS, which is kind of styled components, but using objects of styles, uh, which was not. <laughs> Which was good, but not good enough because people were complaining. We want to write CSS, and then they gave, they gave you complete you know freedom of choosing how you will write your CSS, which is good. Yeah, yeah, that sounds that sounds awesome. Yeah. So also, um, in the I also have another question in the aspect of in the aspect of accessibility. So, um, like um, and I I don't know. I've kind of worked on it to a certain level with accessibility, but. Do you feel that as compared to other popular UI frameworks like maybe Chakra UI, like do you feel material UI kind of kind of follows the whole accessibility um, ideology? Right? Because I know that when it comes to accessibility, you know, a lot of people kind of mention other UI libraries as accessible, kind of that was like the aim kind of. So what do you think on accessibility as regards material UI? I'm pretty sure it is like, you know, the best of the kind, you know, the best, the best, the best in the world, probably. I don't know, like, probably not the best, but I am pretty sure they're following all of the accessibility guidelines, at least when I've been working on Machelia components. Uh, accessibility was one of the top priorities and following all of the W3C, right? W3C conventions of how to build certain components, like specifically like date picker. It's like a nightmare from the accessibility perspective. You need to support everything. It's like such a such a customizable component. And like grids, just the target is not less than 100% be accessible and tested through the accessibility trees. So yeah, I'm pretty sure it's all, all done pretty well. Yeah, no, that's awesome because I, I think I needed that to be clear because I, I know I've worked on accessibility for material as well, kind of used it in the way. But there's some developers that have kind of argued that uh, it's not this, that. So I think Mahapi that is actually kind of cleared, right? That's actually very accessible as other frameworks to UI frameworks. And also, I have another question again as regards um, the ease of use, right? So as I think previously I talked about the API. Um, I'm kind of using like 
um, opinions from people I've worked with as well, and my personal experiences, right? So um, many people feel that um, there's kind of a learning curve in working with material UI in the sense that the APIs are kind of rigid, let me use the words from people, right? Where they feel that it takes so much to do just easy things, let me use that word. So what do you think about that? Or do you think that maybe that was actually a concern previously and maybe the contributors are, contributors are trying to kind of work on how to maybe refine it or something? So I just want to know your view on that um, what people say about um, the rigidity of the APIs and how it's been structured, material UI. I mean, like, I'm probably the wrong person to ask because I use material UI since zero point, like, you know, versions, which is like very long time ago. So the they basically core principles were migrated. So for me, it's very easy to use right now, like, you know. But it, in fact, if, if I am not like using it full time right now, so I, I don't, I actually don't write uh, I still write some somewhat React on my full time job, uh, but I don't, we don't use much UI. We use Tailwind CSS plus Radix. I love it, but um, I still sometimes rejoin it back to much UI because I have so much like things that I wrote for this years in much UI, and I don't have problems to be honest, like writing much UI. But if somebody does have and somebody wants more freedom, somebody wants something more like you know closer to just. HTML and CSS, just don't pick material UI, right? It's like the difference. You have plenty of choice. Why would you like, you know, force yourself doing things that you don't like, right? Just choose whatever you think is more good, more easy to use, more clear. Like, yeah, somebody choose material because they think like, okay, we'll take the component. Here's an API. We'll configure it and forget about it. Somebody wants to have like, you know, the 1000 lines of HTML to configure one component. Why not? Like it's different, different approach. Yeah, that's 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 true. Actually, that's very correct. So now, because yeah, I think when they usually um, bring that kind of concern, I usually say uh, yeah, maybe there are kind of developers that are concerned about maybe um, um, maybe tailwind or HTML, atomic CSS, HTML kind of pattern. Right? A lot of people who love like crafting designs from scratch, that like they want to get that kind of fundamental freedom to every component right and yeah there's still some people who really loves like how every like how like feel much like okay like material you are now it's kind of buoyant and you don't really need to do much to do certain things right so i i get that actually I and mean, i get that um i think it's based on the person who actually like what is your choice and what do you want and which type of ui system do you like right so like also money right if you're building some kind of you know admin component or the thing that you don't really care about how it will look like, you don't want to spend a lot of time configuring it, like, you know, building like internal components. That's why I think Material UI is very often used for admin dashboards because you just import component and you forget about it. Uh, and when you have your landing page, right, <laughs> when you need to have a complete, you know, like, I don't know, why would you use React for landing page? But people using React exactly. for landing page. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I mean yeah. like, Probably something like, I don't know, like your, I don't know, whatever, like, I don't know, Versal dashboard is written in React. You want to have like, you know, precise control over how the things renders because thousands of people are using that. So pick something different probably or just write it from scratch for yourself, right? It's just like a matter of time, of money, of like, you know, your personal preference. So yeah, whatever. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, because also I worked a lot of projects that use material UI for like admin dashboard, like B2B dashboards. Yeah. So I think I get you on that regard. 
So it's, I think it's based on if you want to save time, I think it's just best to use that. But then you want, if you're concerned about intricate design and setting things, you want to customize everything, right? I think you can just, you can use any um, framework, any free app. Tailwind, like, I think Tailwind is the get-go for so many people. So you just, think just do this with Tailwind and probably work with Radix or ShardCN and so on. Yeah. So that's, yeah, that's actually Another question I have again is, um, do you have an idea of probably any improvement or any um, maybe future concerns that are going to come up into the framework? That's why you are. Do you have any idea of any? Mm, this is a hard question, to be honest. Like I, 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 as I said, I left contributing a long time ago, and I don't use it like every day. So probably I, I am not the best, the best person to actually like you know ask. About that right now. I mean, like, probably they're moving to, to the right direction. Right now, with all of the base UI support for Tailwind, for whatever, um, trying to be like more customizable, more flexible, and having like your styles as a skin tone or like a theme, theme or whatever. Um, I mean, I feel like they're doing good things right now, but probably they're today, they're already too big to move faster. So basically, you know, like the market goes a bit faster than they are moving, I feel like, because it's already a big company, like, I don't know, maybe 20, 20 people working there or maybe even more. I don't even know right now. It's not like a small team of like just enthusiasts or building like big component library because they like it. Uh, it's like already a company. So they are started moving slowly, kind of, I don't know, whatever. And uh, probably like, I don't know, maybe just move faster for the market would be my guess, but I probably, you know, like it's just like, you know, one shot. Or something. Yeah. 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 That's it. So yeah, I think that's, those are my questions. And Chris, do you have any material? Yeah, yeah sure. Um, yeah. First <laughs> I wanted to mention, so some people like me, all my websites are written in react. <laughs> a lot of my, a lot of my homepages, uh, but you, I, I wanted to pick your brain about Radix because I started a, a project uh, with that. And I, I actually thought it was kind of weird. Maybe you can help explain why. But like the primitives page, they give like for a dialogue, they give you like the markup in React. But then all the, I don't know if it's recommended CSS or like I have this feeling like if I don't use exactly their recommended CSS, then like it won't be best practices or whatever. So because I was comparing it, I was looking at at Material UI, which I unfortunately haven't used yet. Uh, but you just drop in a dialogue and it it just works. Like because I mean I don't mind external CSS. I just have I have the concern that, you know, if the Radix team decides like, hey, we don't like this look exactly, let's change this one line. You know, if you've copied some custom CSS just for a component later, it's like Probably will still look fine, but it just won't be like, like up to date. So, yeah, sure. I mean, like, probably the whole idea of Radix is to be exactly the thing that is not require you to. They, they there's not expert in CSS. They on their examples, right? They have CSS just to show up things, right, and to be able you to copy it. But if you don't want, if you want to craft a totally different styles, like, I don't know, you want a sharp edges, you want, like, I don't know, like dark, 
components or you want like, I don't know, maybe cartoon-based components, you can do that without any CSS overhead because if you have initial, you know, tone or initial theme, initial CSS, and you need to override it, basically you have two copies of CSS for a component, then it might be hard to support. When you update a component, it might be like, you know, look bad because a new property appeared on this style sheet, then you did not override it. it it's now bad or like, you know, priorities and all this stuff. So the radix itself is probably claims that you should not, you should just write your CSS for yourself, right? They have the examples with Tailwind, I think. And you just like, just take it and then do whatever you want to because the radix itself does not have any components. And this on the examples, I am pretty sure basically just, just, just in reference to just display something in not plain HTML, right? Okay, okay, yeah. Maybe I, I think I probably took the examples like as required, like this markup with this CSS, which I, I guess I, it was just weird for me. No, I'm pretty sure it's not. I'm pretty sure it's okay. not. Basically, it's like, you know, if you will open like Radix right now, it should say pretty clearly on the... So it's starting an open source component library optimized for fast development. Is it maintenance? Okay, it's it's not saying that it's not a headless library, right? But, oh, you have, yeah, so there is some Radix themes, right? I have no, <laughs> I didn't even seen that before. Probably there is some some kind of theming right now, but I personally use it as a headless library totally. So it doesn't have any any styles at all, and only styles that they have are used to do something for accessibility and all the stuff like attributes and style it over myself. Yeah, I also had a question in general, just with your experience with with customization. Uh, I saw Material UI provides a lot of different ways, like you can do one-off, like I think you mentioned like inline styles or you can do overrides. So for me, typically, like whenever I'm working with a library, I typically enjoy writing CSS and like using it globally, but I, I was just wondering what approaches you've used and, and what do you like or, you know, are you are you more the type that you hate CSS and you like to do all styled components or, because I, I always find like there's just a huge variety in, in front end devs, like what they like more and what they dislike. Yeah, so if you ask my personal thing, I don't like writing global CSS just because it's too like you know too switching context for me. A lot right now, my my personal way, my personal preferred way is Tailwind CSS, where you have base styles and you just uh, convert it. I love being able to you know style everything inside one HTML. Right, I think the CSS is kind of overkill. Just so, yeah, just don't take me wrong. It's just my personal opinion. I think like SVG, for instance, you can perfectly find right SVGs um, with inline styles only. Right, when you just put attributes to styles, it doesn't. It's pretty. It's not really matter where you put your CSS in the other file or into the HTML files that you have component system. If you don't have component system, you have pretty like separate HTML and CSS, yes, it makes sense because you need to target things and you don't, don't want to duplicate stuff. But when you have components, right, and you can you can write your attributes once and then reuse the component, then it probably makes more sense to me to write CSS right inside HTML. And Tailwind does it, I think, in the best possible way, the fastest, the easier, the easiest, and like 
uh, the more the, the clearest for me personally. So I just choose in this way instead of writing CSS. But I totally like you know respect the point of view of developers who love writing CSS, who did write CSS for years, and they want to just write class names. Just make sure that it is not like you know there is no collisions and there is no like potential you know problems with uh, missing styles, uh, pro- like you know important and all this stuff. So yeah, why not? I think both ways are pretty good. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, that that part was. I think you did well because it could have been very very polemic. So I think you were able to to please both sides. Uh, I am mostly from from the team of of writing uh, CSS when possible, but when I'm doing React, then I always just go with styled components and. Uh, but, but yeah. Okay. So Dimitri, um, there are, there are a couple of components that even though they could be, um, they could be reused is just so simple to code them that, uh, I'd never needed any library to help me. So for example, a button, like, it's not like a super complex thing to to build. So I generally just build it myself. But on the other spectrum, there are components that they're really hard to build. So for example, a date picker or a calendar, uh, well, basically anything that has time zones in it, it's it's pretty hard. Um, and that also needs the support for internationalization and, and a lot of of different user gestures and stuff like that. So what what I'm trying to get is, do you think there are any components in the material UI that even though people could have could be coding them from scratch or or whatever, you do think that they should definitely first see if what material UI has serves their purpose so that they try it there first before trying to recreate them? Um, I would say definitely date picker because uh, I am actually, so I've been working mostly on date pickers in Machel UI. So basically I built the date picker in Machel UI, the date, the time, the date, time pickers. And this is like, you know, this is the freaking worst components in the world to build for myself. Like, you know, I spent like years building these date pickers. They are complicated as hack, I don't know, like it is really complicated components. Um, I mean, there are a lot of issues that you have never think about. Like, you know, you have a phone, right? And basically you have phone like this. And if you turn turn it like, you know, in the landscape orientation, right? The date picker should rotate, right? And you have never think about that unless you have somebody who is like complaining about this and making this from scratch supporting the mobile input, which is totally different from the desktop input, is very hard because in desktop input, people used to do the masking input, which is the easiest way. You know, you have a mask for days, for months, and years, right? And you need to enter, you want to enter it from keyboard. You don't want to pick your, you know, the mouse and just scroll for years, which is like weird. And on mobile, it's much easier to just like scroll it with your with your thumb, right? And in fact, there are a lot of like tweaks to make it look good because date pickers and time pickers, they both have different use for mobile and for desktop. You need to make it accessible for mobiles, accessible for desktop. There are a lot of twerks with, you know, displaying the dates. 
um, you know, like, you know, manipulated with this because everyone wants their own library. So I wrote, I wrote the whole library to adapt, like, as an adapter between different, like, types of libraries, data finesse, date GS, and all of this stuff. And it's published under my name, under my name Date.io right now. And Material UI, I suppose they're still using it or they forked it, but they've been using it for a while. And there is a lot of issues. I, I I don't remember even about because the, it's very hard and very complicated components and other stuff like I don't know like tables with virtualization is also a very complicated component that you probably don't want to start building from scratch because it's very hard. I wouldn't say though that uh, Material UI implementation is the best in the world. I am not sure about this right now. I I was sure about this when I've been building Date Picker that it was one of the best in the world. Probably still it's very good. Um, but like you just need to check and probably just don't, you know, like, I don't know, don't build your own bicycle every time, you know, which is like maybe will be not the best, you know, UI and not the best thing. Not because you are a bad developer, just but just you don't have time to think about all of the, you know, edge cases which appeared through the years of different users been using Machia UI or different libraries. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, and I can identify a lot with the part about thinking that it is the best in the world until you see what somebody else has done. <laughs> I, I felt that way multiple times. But yeah, it's, um, eventually uh, I got my ego in check and I, and I started looking at my own code without even comparing to others and thinking somewhere around the world, that's something, there's something better than this. But, but yeah, uh, cool, cool. And, and on the other side, what are some of the things that you would, you would not recommend people to rely on, not just material UI, but any library to do? Like stuff that you would say, hey, honestly, from my experience, you're better off just coding this from scratch. Like, you know, it's a matter of time, right? If you're, so I mean, like, it's definitely the matter of time. If you are building, like, I don't know, if you, if your whole, like, app is all about, like, tables, right? I don't know, like, for instance, you might want to build it, like, I don't know, you, you build a Notion or whatever, right? And one of the core features is your tables, and you want to make it like very flexible and have the whole control of how you are displaying tables. Probably worse to build it from scratch. Even if it's complicated, just make sure that you follow all of the guidelines. You make it look good on all of the devices, accessible and all this stuff. Uh, but if you have, um, yeah, and the same for all of the components. It's a matter of time, like, you know, how much time you can spend on building specific components. If, if you are building, like, I don't know, like, uh, Notion calendar used to be Chronify, right? You don't want to pick the picker from from some library probably because it is like one of the most core functionality of your app. Just build it for yourself and make sure it, it is like, you know, optimized for your business purpose. I would say so. Okay. That does make sense. Um, all right. So guys, honestly, in terms of questions that I had, uh, I think it's mostly it. I would love to just know if there's anything you would like to to expand more, Dimitri, before we just uh, start wrapping up and, th- and talk about some of our other projects and stuff. Uh, so, yeah, let's let's talk about some of the other things that we've been working on. So, Dimitri, 
why don't you start since you're the 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 star today? So I did saw some of the uh, some other project that you're working on, which is F Frames. Uh, I honestly thought this was really really interesting. Um, so why don't you pitch that project to to the audience and tell us a little bit more about that? Okay, okay. So basically, FFrames, what I, so if you heard about like things like Remotion, which is um, a tool for rendering videos in React, and it is slow, like, I don't know, like a snail. So basically, my goal is to take the same concept and to make it fast as like, I don't know, as, as whatever, uh, as Rocket. Basically, it's in a project in Rust which I'm building for two years and I'm, you know, like, I don't have time to actually finish it. I have like one last feature that I want to finish and it's very complicated. I want to integrate the full Skia renderer to FFrames, which is basically the 2D renderer based on, inside your Chrome, right? Inside your, uh, that renders Chrome and all of the, like probably ever since today, the GPU based and very fast. Um, but I wrote a lot of code already and basically it's, all about like rendering videos in the basically very inspired way of React. It's in Rust, but your videos are rendering as um, kind of SVG components, which are GSX inspired. Basically, you have a macro to render SVG yourself, like and you describe it as SVG template based as an on React. And the concept of rendering is very similar. You have like one render of one frame. And you have like isolated renders, no mutations, nothing like that. Uh, no state updates because the video doesn't have state at all. But yeah, basically it's trying to be very fast and it's still in beta. So in, in closed beta. So yeah, hope I will not die before I will release it. I won't let you die. I, I got to see that product. Thank you. <laughs> How about you, Peter? Yeah, so multi-motion mind, I think I shared Badix UI and MUI base. I think we talked about it. So I think maybe we could just share this so that the audience could see the link. Yeah, for especially for audiences that don't know that yeah, MUI kind of have a base on it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let me I'll also oh I also sent some of the links that we discussed today. So I'm gonna send it on the on the comment section too. Uh, well, my, my promo is just going to be on void. So for any of you that might be interested in software outsourcing or extending your staff, Envoid offers design and software development services on a, uh, either hourly, the, the traditional hourly model or in a task-based manner. So you can break your tasks into sprints and assign them to Envoid. And they're going to work directly with your staff and you're only going to have to pay after those tasks are delivered and approved. So it really does give you a ton of safety into uh, in software outsourcing. And how about you, Chris? So I'm going to send some of those links here in, in the comment section while Chris uh, shares with us the things he's working on. Sure, yeah. I'm, I'm going to also share something that I've started. It's, I guess, similar. I mentioned at the, or we were talking before the show uh, to Dimitri. I'm working on a similar thing, but it, but now I've just been blown away by real technology. <laughs> so well, basically what I'm doing, I have a very small little applet that it can convert 
you know, you give a code snippet and it writes it on a canvas, uh, uses WASM in the browser and, and generates a video. Um, that's actually, but I've kind of pivoted away from that because, you know, maybe someone like for TikTok would use it to explain like a very small snippet of code. Um, but now I've, I've kind of gone, it's not generative AI, but I leverage AI stuff like voice cloning, um, and step generation to actually do a screen capture where you can say like, okay, open the terminal, issue this command. The whole thing behind it is eventually my goal is because I I make software courses and I've realized that it's really painful to edit them down. And like when you make mistakes, you got to go back and cut it. So the goal is eventually that you can almost automate or at least uh, greatly help your workflow when you create software courses. But it, it, it it's nowhere near uh, like Dimitri's work with with F F frames. Uh, it's, you know? it's <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just sorry for, for 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 interrupting you, but this is exactly the thing that is I'm trying to. So F frames is targeting uh, people who are building apps like you're doing, right? But just like it, not in the inside browser, but you're building an app and it renders on server. And I'm trying to make it just fast so you can not host your own like GPU infrastructure, but you have your own pretty, pretty good, like pretty standard, you know, AWS infrastructure and it still renders pretty fast on CPU. Basically, it's very fun. I'm sort of being really excited about your project because it's really like a thing that should be very easy to do with FFrames. Basically, FFrames would be a backend for your project, right? And that's very fun. Yeah, yeah, it's funny you mentioned that because I tried, I tried to be cool and say like, okay, you can use a Docker backend image or you can use the front end. The front end is WASM, which is anyway like barely, it, it feels somehow like it's still beta. <laughs> and the back end I was fighting, I ended up trying to fight like doing recording like a screen capture on a Lambda function and you, oh, I went down this rabbit hole of like there's specific rules with, with yeah, yeah. So yeah, of course, like as soon as I saw this project, I said, man, I, I need this for like, yeah, like you said, it's my back end. So uh, yeah, let's let's definitely get in touch after the show. I, I'd definitely be interested. Yeah, sure. I, I will be happy to help because I think there used to be one person who tried to build the same thing, but I don't know. I think he just like disappeared. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, uh, like the idea of rendering things, videos inside browser is very bad because of the codecs and all of this stuff is only one way. If we would have like a backward, so basically there is a web codex API that allows you to decode the audio and video right inside the browser using like, you know, C++ based API inside browser and all of this stuff. But there is no way to use it backwards. And if you're trying to compile like Back to Wasm, it becomes really slow and people are not like, I think, love it, to be honest. There is no big projects that they're encoding videos in the browser. It's just slow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I mean, like, I don't know, if you just start in whatever, it's it's pretty good. And I definitely would play around with that. <laughs> I'm becoming really excited. Yeah, we could, we could talk after the show. <laughs> sure. Just be careful, Chris, because he literally said that he's your competitor, and the other guy that was doing it suddenly disappeared. No, so, no, no, no. Oh, oh. <laughs> I mean, uh, no. I mean, like, uh, so I, you know, like, I'm not a competitor. I'm the partner. <laughs> <laughs> I am kind of interested in more tools like that appear 
because FO frames meant to be used to make them faster, right? Because right now, like there is not a lot of things that are programmatically renders video. Not a lot of like, you will not find a lot of products that renders like, I don't know, charts, videos in, in, in browser programmatically based on data. And I think that just because there is no product that makes it fast and easy to build, like, you know, like React is used to be thing that is easy to build a SAP, right? Single page application, SPA, right? And there is no way, uh, there is no library that makes it fast and easy to build like a video from data programmatically. And if FFrames will succeed, I hope there will be much more product like that based on FFrames or maybe other potential things. Yeah, and it's like, for me, it's it's kind of like the next generation, right? Like now we have so many image generators, right? Like for, I don't know, like Instagram borders and you even have Carbon makes like static pictures of code, but there's nobody doing it for, for video because of what you're mentioning. It's like, it's there's no tool. There's no good tool for it. So yeah, I'm, I'm super excited. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. Thanks, guys. Uh, yeah, Dimitri, it was lovely to have you on the show. So feel free to join again whenever you want. You're very, very welcome here. It was very nice meeting you. And yeah, for all of you that stick to this episode up until the very end, thank you so much. And I'll see you in the next one.